Countdown to Kickoff is presented by Tostitos. I just want to let y'all know, we ain't done yet. So I'll make sure to hit y'all back next year and I hope the crowd's the same. Let's go, baby. When you have that parade, you want to do it again. We have a really resilient group that's been through a lot. I will be back here. It hardens you. Teams like this don't always come around. We find you very relevant, but you are going to be Mr. Irrelevant. The Niners, I know what you're making. the Chiefs. You can disrespect the Chiefs. You're going to have to deal with the Chiefs. Touchdown! San Francisco! Today is all about us. We the champs. How bad do you want it? Like I've been saying, we ain't done yet. Welcome to NFL Live, presented by Tostitos. Super Bowl week is finally here. Now just six days away from the biggest game. What are you most excited for on Sunday? RC, you first. I want to see big game Spags get in his bag. We haven't really talked about this San Francisco 49ers offense and what they can do because of the last two playoff games, but they were prolific the entire season. But no defensive coordinator has shut down better offenses that Steve Spagnola has done in big games this year and throughout his career. I want to see what he dials up specifically for the young man Brock Purdy after playing Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson in back-to-back games. I'm excited to watch that hype video again. That thing was freaking sweet. I want to watch the two best tight ends in football go head-to-head. George Kittle, the best pure wide tight end blocker and pass catcher. A couple years ago, I remember him standing there looking, going, I will be back and with a vengeance. And then Travis Kelsey found his form in these playoffs, the best pass catching tight end of all time, the ability to play one-on-one football. What guy is going to make that big play to secure their team the win? The Chiefs offense, much of the line during the regular season, has been significantly better in the postseason in large part because 15. Well, I'm going to jump in and here what's because amazing Mina's about his mic run is not is working. That, oh, never mind. Sorry, Mina. I don't hear her. Am I back? Okay. <laughs> there she is. Uh, well, I, you guys can already imagine what I was saying, which I was complimenting Patrick Mahomes, not surprisingly. Uh, he's avoiding mistakes. He's playing very clean football. That's why they're in the Super Bowl. It's, it's not the sexiest offense, but it's efficient. It's a purdy, it's a purdy, it's a purdy. That's what I want to see. How is he going to handle the pressure of not only being in the Super Bowl, but what RC alluded to in his first one is Steve Spagnola and his pressure. But we saw him. We saw him get loose. The thing that's starting to come to fruition is that this guy late in games with the ball in his hands can make enough plays in order to put his team in a position to win football games. Different animal. Big time now, Brock Yeah, and I'm excited to see the guy who puts him in position to make those plays. Kyle Shanahan, what does he do as far as game planning? Is he a little bit more aggressive in the biggest games? This is crazy to me, but Shanahan has the highest postseason win percentage of any head coach in NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, NBA, who's never won a championship. Can he finally get it done this time around? We'll just have to see. There's a lot more conversation coming around the Super Bowl. You guys will get to that, but there's some news to get to as well. I found it. 
Well done. That's a good one, right? Yeah. That's Dan Rolofsky, Marcus Spears, Ryan Clark, Mina Kimes, who apparently everybody but me could hear, so I'm sorry, Mina. We'll try to get that corrected on my end. My bad. <laughs> uh, How y'all doing? Hear. It's been so long since I've seen y'all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, been, it's been so long oh, since I've seen them. We spent a lot of time together at hours. the Pro Bowl. <laughs> and we'll be together later this week at the Super Bowl, of course. Let's get to the latest. Dan Quinn got right to work over the weekend, hiring Cliff Kingsbury as the next offensive coordinator in Washington. Kingsbury was... Uh, to take the OC position in Las Vegas before pulling his name out of the running, taking the spot with the commanders. So Quinn talked about his new coordinator today. Cliff has always been somebody um, that I've kept up with. Um, years ago, we both coached in college and uh, we first met each other at a, an award show and just kind of hit it off on that time and then competed against each other. I certainly followed his career. We're really pumped that he's gonna be a part of it. Obviously, I know people talk about you know his acumen with quarterbacks and that's proven but he's also an excellent coach he's not just you know a guy that's going to be with the quarterbacks the whole time as a coach you were writing down some names if this is something in your future that said if I get that shot this is somebody I would want to talk to well, here's Matt Miller's top three picks in his latest mock draft released this morning on ESPN.com. No surprise, he has the top three quarterbacks going in this order. You see Caleb Williams going to the Bears first overall, followed by Drake May to the Commanders and then Jaden Daniels to the Patriots. Now, Kingsbury worked with Caleb Williams this past season as an offensive analyst with USC, and Williams took to Instagram to congratulate his former coach on his new gig. Let the speculations begin. They'd be there anyway. My dog, congrats. Dan. What do you think about this move by the commanders? Can he develop a quarterback? We know Cliff Kingsbury can identify the quarterback talent. He had Patrick Mahomes in college, and obviously Kyler Murray is the number one pick. And if you look at Kyler's first two years under Cliff, you saw it there as a, as a observer and said, okay, his first two years are pretty darn good. Left side of the screen, you're saying, okay, number one pick, yards per dropback, completion percentage, turnovers per game. That's a good start. And then the next two years, there was just stagnant performance. Good, you know, and at times pretty good, but at times subpar. But there wasn't that, like, that jump, that development, that growth from years one and two, two to year three and four. So, you know, Washington sitting there at number two, likely to take a quarterback. The question isn't going to be, well, do we have a coordinator that can take this young player and get him off to a hot start? I think they do in Cliff. The question is going to be, how do they learn from his past with Kyler to make sure that that pick does develop into a star and not just play well early on? Yeah, he has a lot to prove based on his previous stint in the NFL. Not the wins or lack thereof, but the offense, which is what he's being entailed with, is calling the offense. Um, because that offense in Arizona, Dan, during his tenure, it was below average by most metrics. The one that really jumped out to me was that it ranked 26 in plays over 10 yards. And, and watching it, at times they were explosive, but at times it looked stagnant. The way he used DeAndre Hopkins and didn't move him around at times befuddled me. Uh, the, the lack of some of the easier concepts we see around the NFL putting quarterbacks in uh, a better position to succeed with some of the stuff you see around the league of the Shanahan tree offenses with the run pass options and putting them under yeah. center. So, so you go to Washington where I think he's in a good situation because you get your choice of quarterbacks probably after pick one, unless they trade up, you've got good skill players. You talk about developing quarterback that goes beyond, you know, mechanics and teaching the quarterback how to see the field. It's can you call a quarterback friendly offense? And sure. thus far, 
We haven't really seen that from Cliff Kingsbury. Nope. Yeah, it'd be fascinating to see how those three quarterbacks at the top end up shaking out because I think we could see that change a whole lot before the draft in April. Now, Dan Quinn on the defensive side looking to revamp this commander's defense, which ranked last in the league in points per game and yards per game in 2023. Only the Cardinals had a worse defensive efficiency last year, and Quinn has chosen his defensive coordinator, Joe Witt Jr., who was Quinn's secondary coach and defensive passing game coordinator for the past three seasons in Dallas certainly the familiarity there but RC you know it really well what is Washington adding to yeah. their team by bringing him in first off he's a football coach his dad coached at Auburn through three or four head coaches and he was a staple there he actually finished his career that was supposed to be on the field as a graduate assistant at Auburn he was born to do this we talked today and he told me this he said the one thing we're going to do is we're going to run to the football and then we're going to hit and we're going to turn the football over. And if you are not about running and hitting, it won't be the room for you. And when you look at a team that was that low statistically as the Washington commanders were in every category, ain't nowhere to go but up. But I know Joe Witt is going to hold people accountable. He's going to have them on their P's and Q's. And Jordan was texting with me today. He said they're going to have hella info, Dad, because he <laughs> understands how succinct Joe wants you to be about understanding tips and tendencies and getting to the football with a bad attitude. RC, you, philosophically, that, that's where you went from a mentality standpoint. And when you watched the commanders play last year, it was a lot of non-aggressiveness. Is how I would describe it. When you come from a call sheet to actually how they played. A lot of the four-man rush, a lot of the stagnant defense, people knowing where people were. I like the fact that they have a spine. They got two interior guys in Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne that they can build around. This is going to become a more aggressive defense. The defense will be predicated on playmakers like they did to highlight those guys in Dallas and kind of build the scheme to facilitate them having success. So I'm looking forward to it. And, and, and let's not downplay the fact that they speak the same language between Dan Quinn and Joe Witt. Yeah. Because when you get to a new situation and the expectation is for you to win and have a tremendous amount of success, that trust factor of when you need to send your attention to something else, that somebody is speaking the same language you are, is a huge deal when you're trying to get everybody on the same page and go in a new direction. This is a phenomenal hire for Dan Quinn. One was that that was expected by you, by you RC, when we talked last week. Yeah. I'm going to try to do this really quick. We talked today, and here's what he did. He said he called Forbes, Allen, and Payne, and he got off of the phone with me because he was going to eat with Malik Hooker, Donovan Wilson, and J. Ron Curse, who were the safeties that he worked mm. directly with this year. He's already starting to move forward with his new guys, but he's making sure to show love and respect to some of the men that got him this opportunity to have this defensive coordinator job. Yeah, RC, that's a, an incredible anecdote there, and you really get a sense of who he is, right? He, he wants to still maintain yeah. those connections. I love it. One other note from Quinn's press, press conference today. He announced that Eric Bieniemy would not be a part of their staff there in Washington. We're just getting started here on NFL Live and Super Bowl week. Patrick Mahomes has yet to throw an interception this postseason. Will that trend continue Sunday? Will RC believe so? And if you're a Chiefs fan, maybe you're knocking on some wood right now. Plus, the Falcons introduced their new head coach today. Here why Dan thinks one of his newest hires will do different 
dividends for that Atlanta offense. We'll explain that coming up. NFL Live is presented by Tostitos. Get to the good stuff and in part by The Bachelor. Mondays at 8 Eastern on ABC and stream on Hulu. More NFL Live after this. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Kick off your Super Bowl Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a special four-hour postseason NFL countdown from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. After the game, we'll have NFL primetime with Boomer and Booger from the field with all the highlights and post-game interviews. And another reminder that NFL Live will be there on Thursday and Friday. Dan and I will be there Wednesday, actually, and we will be bringing you live coverage at our normal time, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on ESPN. The Falcons made headlines last month when they hired Raheem Morris to be their next head coach. More uh, Morris, who comes over from Los Angeles and a stint as their coordinator excited at his introductory press conference today. We got a real clear understanding of what it looks like in Atlanta, right? We've seen it at a very high level, right? And what was Matt Ryan? You know, you talk about just the people that you've coached. And I just come from a real clear what it looks like quarterback when you're talking about Matthew Stafford. But when, when you get those guys that are elite processors, when you get those guys that are decision makers, when you get those guys that can just cut it loose and play ball, it, it makes you excited, right, to go out there and find those things, right? Sometimes not easy to see. Right, obviously you got to look at some college tape. Sometimes you can see a little bit more frequency tape. Sometimes you can visualize that thing how you can trade, right? But you got all those windows out there. You got all those avenues. But I got a lot of confidence in the people that are going to be able to help me and be a part of um, finding our next quarterback to to move move forward. I loved all the quarterback footage that our staff put together there. It just gives you like a little uh, a little vision of what it could be. RC, like, what does Raheem Morris, I know, me too, Mina, what does he need to do to sort this whole thing out, to have success in his first season in Atlanta? Well, I mean, you guys just had that wet dream of quarterbacks that Raheem Morris may not be able to get all of them or have an opportunity to draft one, but you can get a guy like Justin Fields because when you look at this offense from Kyle Pitts to Drake London to B. John Robinson on to Tyler Azier, they do have some talent, but they have no one that can pull the trigger that is currently on that roster. Desmond Ritter wasn't the answer. We all know what Taylor Heineke is, and so you're going to have to find a way to utilize all of these pieces. I felt like Arthur Smith maximized what he could, but unless they get someone new 
at the quarterback position, this team will not be able to move forward and progress in any way. On the defensive side of the ball, you do have a star in Jesse Bates. A.J. Terrell is a top-notch corner, but you're aging up front. So this is a roster that is going to need an overhaul, and it has to start at the quarterback position. And as Raheem Morris says, it gets you excited when you have one, but you're scared as hell walking in the stadiums when you don't. <laughs> and, and he knows better than most. I mean, quarterback is largely why he wasn't successful first in as a head coach through no fault of his own in that regard. And, and when you hear him talk about it, it's very clear he understands job number one, the thing that will determine whether or not he's successful in Atlanta is whether they find uh, the guy. I, I like your suggestion of Justin Fields, Ryan, because I do think it's going to be hard for them to move up in the draft, although that's, of course, a possibility. I like it also because you really have proof of concept with the Marcus Mariota year yeah. in Atlanta, which isn't to say Mariota was great, but that run game was so dynamic. And then it really fell off this year, and it was kind of perplexing because the offensive line was the same, a lot of the personnel was the same, but I think when you no longer had a quarterback who was a dynamic dual threat, it impacted the way defenses yep. played them. Fields is more dynamic than Mariota. You'd still want to uh, elevate the passing game and develop more consistency from what we saw in Chicago. But I think with the personnel they have, with the offensive line mm. they had, they could have a very successful and efficient rushing attack at the very least with Justin Fields as a quarterback. I agree yeah. with a lot of what you guys are saying. I think Justin's name is going to be attached if it comes like that for Chicago to a lot of teams. I think as it sits right now with him bringing Zach Robinson over as his offensive coordinator from the Rams, the perfect quarterback is going to be Jaden Daniels as of right now. Now, this is why mm. Zach Robinson, who I mentioned, yeah. I love the fact of adaptation. You know, he was there with Sean McVay for the 19 and 20 seasons when they were running the, you know, the McShanahan type of scheme, the, the, the spreads or the, the stretch run and the play action pass. And then the Super Bowl year, they went to a completely different offense under Matthew Stafford. So we watched him run one offense. Okay, th that's not the perfect offense for, for the group that we have now. Let's go to this offense. And then obviously over this past couple of years, they've gone back to a little bit of a, a morphing of that Shanahan McVay type of offensive tree. So I love the fact that he's witnessed that. The reason I say Jaden McDaniels is number one thing that's needed in that offense for a quarterback is precision. And if you got one that's precise, Brock Purdy, you're going to have a lot of success. I think Jaden's that. The yeah. other thing I love about this, they got a good offensive line in Atlanta. If you have a good offensive line with this old school system, you can play really good as a quarterback, no matter how young you are. So I, I, I love the Zach mm. Robinson hire, and I think Jaden's perfect. Yeah, we bounced around on both sides of the football, and I agree with all that you said. I think the thing that the, the theme that came to my mind was that the cupboard is not bare in Atlanta, and no. you guys have alluded to it from an offensive standpoint. And RC mentioned the defense aging, but it's almost like you want that type of situation walking in. Obviously, Grady Jarrett is going to come off of an injury. Remember, they went and got David Anyamata up front as well. They're going to have to make it see what Calais Campbell is going to do. And I bring all of these guys that are aging up is because your first year as a head coach in a new in a new environment, you're trying to implement an identity of how you want to play football. Those type of guys buy in quickly because they want to win now. And then when you get to the point of those guys buying in and obviously figuring out the quarterback spot, you look at this division. This division is still up for grabs, y'all. Yeah. Like Tampa was solid and went to yeah. the playoffs and Baker played well, but you could potentially be a quarterback and a good scheme with all those guys buying in away from owning that division when you think about the potential of his first year in Atlanta being a success. If they get Justin Fields, they have a real shot at winning the NFC South. 
And for Raheem Morris, he has to be in that same line of thought with what he's watched in this division based on last year with what he has in the cover coming to Atlanta. Yeah, the thing with Justin that you're going to have to pay attention to, Atlanta, anywhere else, is what's it going to cost to get him? And then you really have a, a year yeah. to make a massive decision on how much it's going to potentially cost you. I, I like their offense. Yeah. I think two things. Kyle Pitts has got to get healthy. Yeah. And for this offense to really go to where I think it can, they got to find their Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua kind of inside slot guy opposite or with Drake London. It's exciting to think about Justin Fields with a team where the cupboard isn't bare. And sure. even if they add some pieces to your point, Dan, they could get a whole <laughs> lot better. It'd be really fun to watch the Falcons and congrats again to Raheem Morris. Still to come, the 49ers force Patrick Mahomes into two interceptions in Super Bowl 54. How can they repeat that performance on Sunday? Well, Marcus has that answer. We'll tell you next as we preview the Super Bowl. You're watching NFL Live presented by Tostitos. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Countdown to kickoff is presented by Tostitos. You're watching NFL Live presented by Tostitos. You see Vegas there at the Chiefs and 49ers. So do I. They officially landed in Las Vegas on Sunday as the two teams prepare to face off in Super Bowl 58. Bright lights of Vegas welcoming two of the best teams. Actually, the two best teams in the NFL. They're facing off in the Super Bowl. There's George Kittle getting off. See everybody uh, exiting the plane as we welcome in Jeff Darlington from the Chiefs. He's covering Kansas City all week for us. And Jeff, you sat down with Patrick Mahomes recently. What did you take away from that yeah. conversation ahead of his fourth Super Bowl appearance? Laura, a lot. I, I felt uh, really good about the conversation from the standpoint that he was honest about the differences in the way that he now felt like he needs to play because of this team. And one of the most interesting things that he talked about was how he realized that he needs to be the best quarterback for this team, which isn't necessarily, as he put it, the same as being the best quarterback when it comes to stats. And he said it happened around Christmas Day when the team lost to the Raiders, uh, a very deflating loss. He said after that game, he started to do some thinking and recognized that this was the kind of team where he didn't necessarily want to take the kill shot too often, that he needed to take what the offense was giving him and what the defense was giving him. So more of a little bit of a game manager, if you will. Uh, I sense that he's still willing to be that guy, and we've seen that at times, but he's also more about making sure that he takes advantage of the weapons he does have rather than trying to do too much and perhaps change the game uh, against his favor the way they did on the Raiders that Christmas day. 
Yeah, it makes sense. Um, also, Jeff, we saw a post from you yesterday that we had to ask about. Did you really pack a humidifier for your week in Las Vegas? <laughs> well, Laura, uh, thanks for asking. I stopped at a lovely store on the way in. I'm a oh. Florida man. I need these types of things. In my 20s, I used to come to Vegas and maybe I was a little more dehydrated, if you know what I mean. And it would just kill me, my nose and my, my mouth. But now I'm hydrated, I'm humifi humidified. So we're all good out here in Las Vegas. Humidified. I don't have humidified on my bingo card today, but there's some yeah. other things that have happened on the show I didn't have on my bingo yeah, card got, either. So we're going to leave that there. Thank got, you to Jeff. We'll I got all sorts of chapstick. Oh, I, I love got it. everything I need. Jeff I got, is I got moisturized I got and humidified. Yeah. I wonder how long we'll leave his mic open here. I like it. Patrick Mahomes has thrown 203 passes in the playoffs since his last interception, which was in the 2021 AFC Championship game. That's the third longest streak without a pick in NFL postseason history, trailing only Tom Brady and Drew Brees. He can tie Brady's record with 34 more attempts without a pick in the Super Bowl. And Dan, what have you seen from Mahomes on this playoff run that's allowed him to keep the ball out of harm's way so well? Yeah, one, their offense has become so much more game plan specific yeah. than it was in the regular season. They've found a very central formation of personnel groupings, and then also they've run three-level like a hundred different ways. They're going to run what we call sale or three level throws 10 to 12 times. Three level throws are you got a guy going deep, you have a guy going intermediate, and then you have a guy going short. And you're just trying to stress these three levels. They get to it a bunch of different ways. MVS is running a pylon or a deep corner. Then Kelsey's got this sale or corner or out route. And then there's a flat route. And Patrick and Kelsey do a great job of knowing when he's going to actually run that corner route and not. So that's in the, obviously, the, the, the wild card round. Well, this is the divisional round. Guys, this is the same exact play, just getting to it a different way. There's that pylon, there's the corner of the out route, and here's a flat route. This is the Travis Kelsey once again. If you go back to last week and the AFC Championship game, guess what they ran a ton? three-level sale concept throws where the outside guy, we're going to lift off coverage. He's an alert. If we love the coverage, we could throw a post or a pylon, and then we have some form of a deep corner at 18 to 22 yards or an out route, and then somebody stressing the flat. And then Patrick is consistently reading that guy, and him and Travis have this great feel of, okay, when am I actually running full speed to the corner or the sideline? When do I sit and throttle down? That's hmm. one play each game. They're going to run it 10 or 12 times against San Francisco, and there's going to be different ways that they get to it. They've attacked the perimeter so much, I expect that to happen again in the Super Bowl. Well, they're also playing a covered three single high sort of team, and so some of those yep. sale routes are going to be open because you're going to put the curl flat player in a conundrum trying to figure out should he get depth or should he kind of close the space on the flat guy. But also Patrick Mahomes is playing like a man that understands he has a great defense. Knowing that this team isn't the team that it's been through his first six years as a starter. And the other piece of it is he's showing so much humility but also confidence. He understands that he has nothing to prove. He will only be judged by the amount of championship ch championships he wins. And if he continues to play this way, he will win another one by protecting the football and taking the shots when the defense makes them available. Yeah, you heard Jeff's report in talking to Mahomes about how he can almost manage the game a little bit more and focus on that more than putting that superhero cape on. But Marcus, what can the 49ers do on defense to get Mahomes out of his rhythm? It seems impossible sometimes. Yeah, a lot of moves that they made were building up for this moment. Signing Javon Hargraves from the Philadelphia Eagles, going get Chase Young, 
And obviously, Bosa, if you go back to that first Super Bowl, Bosa was trending towards being the MVP of the game, and he impacted it. Pat Mahomes had two turnovers in that Super Bowl. A lot of people forget about. But the pressure from four, but more importantly, y'all, you guys know how much I talk about his legs becoming devastating. You have to have a control playing rush, but it has to be aggressive. Like, that, that was the one thing I felt with the Baltimore Ravens from a four-man rush. They weren't able to generate enough, and we saw him dance around in the backfield for a long time. This has to be about those four guys up front when Steve Wilkes doesn't want to commit to trying to pressure and get after Patrick Mahomes and get him off his spot. And when those four get him off his spot, there needs to be, like, wild dogs with their hair on fire making sure he don't rip off a 10, 15-yard <laughs> run to convert a first down. Yeah, I agree with you, Marcus. I think we're going to need to see more from pass rushers not named Nick Bosa. Hargrave, for example, that interior pass yep. rush needs to play better, especially with Joe Tooney out. Um, you know, I don't anticipate that they'll blitz very much because, to, Laura, to your question about Patrick Mahomes, it's not likely they're going to force Patrick Mahomes to make mistakes. Mm. Far more likely is that someone else on the Chiefs will make a mistake. That has been when the offense has struggled this season. It's not been Mahomes. It's been because they have to string together these long, methodical drives. The pass game has been very horizontal. Uh, you get a hold, a drop, one miscommunication or the wrong route run, and it derails the entire thing. If I'm Steve Wilkes in the San Francisco 49ers defense, that's what I'm hoping for. Just that you make the Chiefs work their way up and down the field and that somebody not named Patrick Mahomes makes a mistake because for the most the better part of the season, that's been what's happening. I, I, I get your point. I just think it's become what we're watching is this defense in Kansas City is so good. Patrick, it's almost like Pittsburgh, Ryan. You know this. Like they're going to keep you in the game and then get it to the fourth quarter and make one or two big plays at the end. And the reality is Patrick knows he and Kelsey can. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're not seeing him force the football in, in moments early in the game. Yeah, it's a good point because it's not all just about Patrick Mahomes in this offense. To your point, Dan, this defense has been the identity of this Chiefs team. Time now for an ESPN Bet Parlay Plus. And for that, we're going to RC, all right? We have to start here. Does that streak in? Over, under, half an interception for Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> well, I'm going to say under, and the reason why is because we know that the San Francisco 49ers major in four-man rush zone coverages, and we've watched Patrick Mahomes down the stretch of this season take what the defense has given him. I expect him to do the same in the Super Bowl. And on defense, over under half a sack for Chris Jones. I'm going to say over when you look at Chris Jones. He's a guy that Steve Spagnola moves around as a chess piece. He can attack that right side of the offensive line at the tackle position as you move Karloftis as well. And I think Chris Jones gets to the quarterback. Then on the other side of the ball over under 88 and a half rushing yards for Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to say over because if we looked at last week, why were we so mad at Todd Munkin? Because he didn't run the ball. Well, the San Francisco 49ers have the best running back in all of football, and I expect Kyle Shanahan to be smarter and utilize their number one chess piece. I like trying to predict where you're going to go, like right before you say it, and <laughs> I actually had all three there for you, RC. I think I know you pretty well. All right, we got much more on McCaffrey and the 49ers run game coming up later in the show. You don't want to miss it. Also, Mike Zimmer is visiting Dallas to interview for their defensive coordinator position is he the right man for the job our resident cowboy Marcus will voice his thoughts don't miss it it's next on NFL live SPN bet is the official sports book of ESPN and the only place to find exclusive offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows 
New users get $100 in bonus bets after making any sportsbook bet. Download today. What a play. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. In 1920, halfback Fritz Pollard led the Akron Pros to a championship in the newly formed National Football League. The next season, he accepted the role of player coach, becoming the first black head coach in NFL history. Today, his impact is felt through the Fritz Pollard Alliance, an organization advocating for diversity in coaching and front office positions. We're back on NFL Live. Here's our next ESPN Plus UFC Fight Night, Saturday from the Apex in Las Vegas, highlighted by our middleweight main event. The prelims start at 4 Eastern, followed by the main card at 7. Don't miss that. And time now to read and react to some coordinator news from around the league, starting with Greg Roman, who has been linked to the Chargers' vacant OC position. This would be a reunion for Roman and Jim Harbaugh, who led the 49ers to a 44-19-1 record from 2011 to 2014, with Harbaugh as the head coach and Roman as the offensive coordinator. Roman's offenses didn't set the world on fire, ranking outside the top 10 in points, yards, and efficiency, but San Francisco protected the ball. Their 66 turnovers in those four seasons were tied with the Patriots for the best in the NFL. RC, what do you think about Roman potentially calling plays for Justin Herbert in that offense? You know, what's funny is we only remember what Greg Roman was at the end of his tenure with Lamar Jackson, but when you look back at what they were in San Francisco with a guy like Alex Smith, it was a great run game. It was the ability to go quarterback under center and take shots down the football field from condensed splits. And now you can have a little bit of the San Francisco with Alex and with Colin Kaepernick with a guy as talented as Justin Herbert. To Dallas, where Mike Zimmer is meeting the Cowboys about their defensive coordinator position. Zimmer's defenses were really good when he was the head coach in Minnesota. The Vikings ranked in the top 10 in sack percentages, points allowed, yards per play, and total QBR. The Cowboys ranked in the top 10 in all four categories last season. Marcus, Zimmer was the defensive coordinator in your first two seasons in Dallas. Is he the right guy to lead this defense now? He's one of them and a, and a, and a really good possibility. Obviously, his familiarity with Dallas, but also what he had, the success he had in Minnesota. Now, the concern is... He's been away from football from a long time, but it's not crazy how parallel it is with him and Mike McCarthy being out and being able to come and maybe learn some new things and look over the new ways of the NFL. He has had a tremendous amount of success against Kyle Shanahan type offenses. That's one of his calling cards and MO, which may be very enticing to the Dallas Cowboys. So we'll see where it goes. To Las Vegas, where the Raiders are expected to hire Luke Getze as their next OC. Getze held the same position in Chicago before being fired last month, of course, and the Bears offenses didn't have great production under Getze, ranking 19th in scoring in his two seasons in Chicago. But the offense did show some improvement in 2023. Amina, what do you think of this potential fit? 
mixed feelings, Laura. I think he's got something to prove. The run game in Chicago was very efficient. Pass game was inconsistent. Question that I think we don't know the answer to yet is how much of that was Getze versus Fields. Sometimes held on to the football too long. I do think he deserves criticism for taking too long with running the offense to lean into skills, uh, Justin Fields' talents yep. as a runner. And regardless of what direction they go in with quarterback in Vegas, that's something he needs to be better at, which is catering the offense to the exact skill set of his quarterback regardless of what kind of skill set that is. To Tampa Bay, where Baker yes. Mayfield is a free agent, and over the weekend, the team hired Liam Cohen as the OC. Back in 2022, Mayfield spent part of the season with the Rams, where Cohen served as their offensive coordinator, and of course, Cohen just was at Kentucky. Mayfield was much better that year, working with Cohen in L.A. Uh, than he was in Carolina, posting a better completion percentage and touchdown-to-interception ratio. He nearly doubled his QBR from his seven games with the Panthers that season. So an immediate impact. Dan, you think the Bucks reuniting Cohen with Mayfield is a good thing? I do. Massive Liam Cohen fan. I think he's got an incredibly bright offensive line and a big-time future in the NFL. One, I think this helps them keep Baker Mayfield as their quarterback. And two, because the Dave Canales offense that he ran is very similar to one that terminology-wise Liam Cohen is going to run. That's that play-action game, multiple tight ends on the field, trying to create chunks and or explosives through that. So if they can keep Baker Mayfield, which I think that gives it like at least a leg in or leg up to do so, there should be a very good pairing for both offensive coordinator and quarterback. Yeah, Baker wasn't shy of the Pro Bowl telling us how much he'd love to stay in Tampa yeah. Bay. Still ahead, Brock Purdy has made some big throws when it counts, but Mina believes the key to the 49ers winning the Super Bowl comes down to the run game. She'll tell you a little bit more why. It's all coming your way next on NFL Live right here on ESPN. NFL Live is presented by Tostitos. I love Tostitos. NFL Live is presented by Tostitos. Get to the good stuff. Super Bowl week already underway in Las Vegas as the Chiefs and 49ers get ready for Super Bowl 58 this Sunday. Sal Palantonio joins us now from Vegas where he'll be covering the 49ers all week. And Sal, what's Brock Purdy saying is most important for them that they must do on Sunday? San Francisco 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy said, obviously we need to do a better job of staying on the field on third down, converting on our third downs, staying on the field, especially early in the game. The way to do that, run the football. And we all know the foundation of the offense of the 49ers is Christian McCaffrey. Their outside zone toss has been the staple, especially on the offense's left side, attacking the defense on the right side. Very effective against Detroit, very effective against Green Bay. Got to run the ball effectively, especially early in the game. Two reasons, keep Brock Purdy on schedule, he just talked about it, and two, keep Patrick Mahomes the second off the football field. Thanks, Sal. On paper, the run game appears to be a great matchup for the 49ers offense. The Chiefs have been a bad run defense, including playoffs, ranking bottom 10 in yards per rush, yards before contact per rush, and yards after contact per rush. So really, any way you slice it. Dan, how do you see the 49ers game planning the run against this KC defense? Yeah, Charlie Werner. We, we talk about George Kittle, their tight end, a ton, rightfully so. And we talk about their 21 personnel, two backs, one tight end. You certainly Kyle Juszczyk being in their role. I think we could see them put both their tight ends on the field. George Kittle and Charlie Werner 
and run the ball a ton. That's the two tight ends up at the top. You check the fullback is really in in a tight end alignment because he's so versatile. He leads up on that support player. The right tackle is able to go inside out blocking. The tight ends on the backside collapse. And then there's a beautiful cutback for Christian McCaffrey. Really the same formation flip. There's Juszczyk and McCaffrey. And a traditional alignment for McCaffrey. Juszczyk up at top. And then those two tight ends. Look at the double team. The movement. The collapse on the right side of their offensive line. And then those guys really can lead the way for McCaffrey. Completely changing the line of scrimmage. And equals a big run. We know Kansas City is going to be susceptible to the run. That's kind of what you can get after them with. I can see both of their tight ends playing a ton of snaps and trying to really play oh, big really? boy football for San Fran. <laughs> yeah, this time last week, uh, we were talking about the Ravens. Marcus Spears and I were very upset that they didn't it. run the ball. I don't think that's going to be a problem with uh, Kyle Shanahan, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, it's not just that they're good at running and that Kansas City has struggled to stop the run. It's the way they run. Dan talked about them using 21, potentially 22 personnel. The Chiefs typically counter that with base, meaning yep. three linebackers on the field. And when they do so this year, 29th in EPA pair play against the run. The Niners love to run the ball from under center. Kansas City, 25th versus under center runs. And San Francisco has actually gone back to their identity a little bit as more of a zone running team yeah, yet again. Than last year. Kansas City Chiefs allow the second most yards per attempt on zone runs. Matchup Ooh. versus matchup versus matchup. It's not favorable to Kansas City on the ground. Kyle Shanahan knows this. I expect them to run the ball a lot. Then that turns this into who's going to be more persistent in what they do well. Will the San Francisco 49ers continue to turn around and give the football to the best player on the field, and that's Christian McCaffrey? We sort of saw last week when we watched the Detroit Lions get up early, they got the football in Christian McCaffrey's hands. And what I was most surprised with and actually most impressed with was his physicality with the football at the second level. Yeah. I believe that's something that you want to take advantage of if you're the San Francisco 49ers, not only to keep the ball in your hands and have a manageable third down opportunities, but you also keep Patrick Mahomes off of the field that way as well. And so I think there's a clear path to winning this game, but we thought the exact same thing with the Baltimore Ravens, yeah. and we see that Todd Munkin went away from it's that. True. Will Kyle Shanahan watch that film and say to himself, that won't be me, they will not be talking about me like 28-3 to again. Yeah, y'all, for the sake of the conversation, obviously we all know uh, that that run game is going to be paramount. But, you know, I was thinking about the first halves for Brock Purdy. And more importantly, for what you guys just talked about, is to get him comfortable and settled in. There have been a lot of almost. There have been a lot of turnovers. There's been a lot of kind of up and down play. And I think you get him comfortable that way as well. So not only leaning into what you do really well and what Kansas City defends poorly, but also to get him more acclimated and get going towards the game. We've seen him take time to become the guy that we're starting to see a sin late in football games. The other thing is this, too. For as much as we've raved about how well Kansas City secondary tackles and they tackle well, this also needs to be a Debo Samuel extended handoff game mm. and try to create some of those matchups in the sec on the second level that they always do with him. You see here the tunnel screens, obviously using him out of the backfield and also in motion to try to figure out if you can get him matched up. The same thing for Christian McCaffrey. If you do want to get Brock Purdy in some semblance of a drop back game, don't forget about these two. And lastly, 
perimeter blocking. That's something we talk about with both of these teams. But we know San Francisco does it at a very high level. I think it's going to be paramount for Brock Purdy to get comfortable, but their offense to be what they wanted to be in this game. Dan, you're going to jump in with something else, but just quickly, when to Marcus's point about extended handoffs with Debo Samuel, just explain a little bit more to people about exactly what that means. With yeah, them. it's those jet sweeps where they start them on one side of the ball and they'll full speed sprint the motion. They could turn around and just hand it to them. They're trying to get the ball to the perimeter. They could let them go by and they can kind of kick it out. There's a little bit of an RPO. So, so unique. Yeah, right? I agree. Yeah. It's the different ways to do that. I was going to, it'll be interesting because let's say San Francisco pound the football, run it and Kansas City bows up. Then mm. that's not going to make Brock Purdy yeah. comfortable, you know, and then that place that that Kansas City strength mm. of RC talks about those middle field open pressures and they're going to come from everywhere. Chris Jones is going to line up on the right tackle and it's going to be advantage Kansas City. So it's going to be really interesting to watch Kyle. Like, how does he balance getting him settled in and comfortable versus committing to that run like RC yeah. was talking about? Well, the other piece is, too, though, who's LeJarrius Sneed going to follow? To me, mm. I think Ayuk. he'll be matched up with Brandon Ayuk, yeah. who is truly their number one receiver. Yeah. And so it's going to be big that Trent McDuffie has a huge game with Debo Samuel mm. moving in the slot, him also getting into motion. And he's one of the best tacklers in no the doubt. open field that we have in this entire league. Our Super Bowl picks are coming your way Friday, by the way. Time now for one more thing. The NFL Live crew was down in Orlando for the Pro Bowl this week, and we miss Mina, but take a look back at some of the best moments. What do you guys have in store for Eli today? I don't think it has to be close, right? I think we can blow these guys away. Media not supposed to be biased. I'm on the NFC side, so I hope we win. All right, what do you do? How's this work? He has 55 plays. We have like six plays. Like any good receiver, immediately blames the sun. I did eat a hamburger earlier. That's a play. Looks right. Incomplete. And the NFC rushes the field. Oh, he's signing someone's phone right now. Hey, Apple, please see this. I would love a new iPhone. <laughs> you got to have Marcus. a new phone today, right? Puka? Yeah, got to. What was your favorite moment, Marcus? Man, y'all know my favorite moment was seeing the BMBs do the skills challenges at the halftime break of the game because we showed our athleticism in a major way. It was fun. It was great being with my crew. We'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live. Thanks for being with us this week.